Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you could be seated this morning. Very thankful for Sister Victoria for her music this morning. Praise the Lord. Such a sensitive spirit. God must be working because if you didn't catch it, the theme throughout her songs this morning was victory. Victory. It's already won. It's already done. We have the victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But I'm here this morning to tell you that there are many of us, many of you, who are still shackled and still in bondage in some way, shape, or form. You're good Christians. You pray. You love God. You come to church. But we still have our shackles. We still have our bonds in this world. And Jesus has come to say that I want to release you completely. At one point, he went to the temple in the book of Luke in chapter 4. You don't have to stand yet. This isn't my opening scripture. And he picked up the ancient scriptures and he read from the book of Isaiah. And he quoted the book of Isaiah, Luke 4 at 18, as he was talking to the people in the temple. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he that hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty they that are bruised. Isaiah prophesied that some 4,000 years earlier, 2,000 years earlier, excuse me. And Jesus sat down and read it, and what he was saying was, Isaiah was talking about me. Now I could, I could walk over here to my pastor and I could direct your attention to him, and I can say, God hath anointed him to preach deliverance to those that are in bondage, peace to those that have been downtrodden, and the same exact scripture applies to the man of God anointed to you. And so today, Jesus has directed us, you've heard it in the preaching recently from all of the pastors leading, that we're tired of seeing our, our, our church and people struggle and in bondage and torn down and dealing with things that they don't have to. So today I want to talk to you about knowing your enemy. Know the enemy because I'm going to knock him down today. And you're going to walk out of here, you're going to feel strong. Praise the Lord. And if you're dealing with some, if you're in captivity today, if you've got shackles on you for something, there's a person in your life, there's an ailment, there's physical issues, there's financial troubles. Folks, I'm telling you, if I could just get started. If, can I dive in? Is that okay? I just feel like I gotta say something to you. I've faced things just like all of you have. I've stood with my infant child in my hands and the doctor's telling me he's gonna be profoundly retarded or possibly a vegetable the rest of his life. And seven days later, I walk out of the hospital with a perfectly healthy little boy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You better believe that the devil was in my ear telling me he's all done, that's it. You, you've lost, he's, he's gone. This baby child of yours, is, there's no hope. Of course he was doing that. But I had family and I had, I had Christian friends who stepped up and said, I'm gonna pray for you and bolstered me and helped me out of that captivity and that bondage. I've stood in the face of financial disaster from a lawsuit that we had to engage in and no hope in sight, money gone. And in a short period of time, God completely replaced every single penny of it. Give us a home we shouldn't have. Folks, I've stood in the face of what the devil was trying to tell me to put me in captivity and I watched God step in and completely destroy the devil's plan. So why am I telling you all that? Praise the Lord. 
I could go on, and I know you folks have testimony too. I'm not any better than any of you, but why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that today because what I'm going to preach to you, I've lived it, and I believe it. You see, when things are faced off to me now, shame on me if I were ever to doubt God. Because I've seen him move again and again and again. And I've finally learned, after all these years, to take on the identity of who I am and what I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm anointed of the king. I'm full of his spirit. And I've got power thanks to him. Praise the Lord. A famous quote said, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy... For every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. You know who said that? A 6th century Chinese general by the name of Sun Tzu. Anybody ever hear read The Art of War? Anybody in sales? Sun Tzu said that. Now he ripped it off from scripture. By the way, it's believed that Sun Tzu may not have been a person. That might have been a collection of Chinese sayings and things, and then they put it in, they named a guy and all that stuff. But that's who is attributed to that quote. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay? Now I'm going to tell you, that over the course of years that I've been in church, I, there's, there's controversy when you start talking about the devil and the enemy. Some people say, don't give the devil credit for everything. You shouldn't do that. Some people don't even like that we talk about it because they feel that it puts the attention on the negative. That's not what I'm doing here today. I believe, as, as, as Sun Tzu did, and as Paul was telling the Corinthians, we must know his devices. We cannot be ignorant of what the enemy's doing. Now, oh, well, Brother Cordell, I know what he does. He, he attacks people and he does... I'm telling you, he's a, he's a crafty character, and there's new things that are happening, and there's ways that he's seeping in. Sometimes it's so subtle, you don't even realize what's happening. When was the last time you were at a church service or, or another place or uh, just another event where there's Christian people gathered and somebody was talking about sinners? Got quiet. We don't say sinner anymore, do we? We don't talk to people in that address or that direction. Well, you're a sinner. You need to come. Unbelievers, non-believers, new believers, all those things. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is, is there's truth. And the truth is that people who are not living for God are sinners. You and I are sinners. We sin. We make mistakes. But we're under the redemptive blood of Christ. And we continue, should be continuously seeking him, asking for forgiveness, living our lives properly. So there are sinners and there are non-sinners in the biblical sense. But we don't say that. Because we've been sort of pushed into the political correctness. And I'll get that into that in a moment. So let's talk a little bit about Satan's identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. And I'm going to go through these rather fast, Sister Hickey. I'm just referencing quickly. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Okay, that means he isn't this ugly, horned, crazy character with the pitchfork and the tail and all that stuff. He can be beautiful. He can come to us in, in loveliness. John 8 and 44 says he's a liar and father of all lies. Do you ever ask yourself this question? You want to know what a liar the devil is? You ever ask yourself this question? We know that the Bible says he's the father of all lies, he's the son of perdition, and he's the spirit of the world. Do you ever hear anybody talk about the devil head? Those three gods down there, we got three, you know, the... See, the, devil, the, the Bible says in the book of James that the devils know that he's one God, and they tremble. 
But we have, a, we have a doctrine that's out there that we have these three distinct coexisting people up there all sort of managing the program together. You don't see the devil doing that. So he's tricked us. He's tricked the world into thinking there's three separate people we got to deal with, but you never hear that in him. See, the devil is a, is a, is a cheap copy. He is antichrist. He is everything that, the, that, that Jesus is about what Jesus is and what he asked for in his ministry. The devil copies in a cheap, ugly way. So just as God looks for us for our free will to serve him, see, he's not going to force us. God is, Jesus is never going to force you to your knees. He's never, well, at some point he will, but in terms of service now, he wants you to willfully love him and serve him. So guess what? So does the enemy. Some people say that the greatest trick that the devil ever played on mankind was proving that he doesn't exist. Getting people to believe that there is no devil. Do you know that 87% of what they call evangelical Christians in this country believe in angels, but a very tiny percentage of them profess to believe in a devil? So I guess he's kind of accomplished part of his goal. They don't believe that there's a devil, but folks, there is a devil. There's a nasty, my grandmother used to call him Old Slewfoot. He goes by a lot of names, just like Jesus goes by a lot of names. The devil is Beelzebub, maybe Baal, Lucifer. His original name is the angel before he was cast down. But you see, his trick was to prove to people or convince people that he does not exist. And they believe it. And so guess what? In complete anonymity and stealth, he can move into their lives and operate, and they don't even know. Because it's not the devil, it's just life. But I'm here to tell you today, you are not subject to him. You are not subject to the things that are thrown at you. He wants you to be. He wants you to be in fear. He wants to put you in bondage of fear. But you do not have to be. Yes, you'll have medical problems. Yes, you will have financial problems. Yes, challenges will be faced. But as I said at the outset of this thing, I have faced many of them. Personal health issues, financial issues, terrible people, attacks, all of those things. And in every situation, I'm going to admit to you, now I got fearful, I had challenges, I had problems, but I didn't run from God. I went to God. People would come to me. We were going through that whole, that whole lawsuit thing in our house, and, and I'd come to church, and I'm, at the, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, because I was taught to do right. And I was taught by my pastors and my leaders, worship God, worship God, worship God, no matter what. And people would come to me on the side and say, Brother Cordell, I don't know how you do it. How do you stand? How are you here? I, I have to be. I don't have a choice. File bankruptcy. Run away from this whole situation. They wanted All this crazy stuff was coming at me. I said, no, I'm going to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm telling you, and sometimes you just got to run on faith. I'm going, yep, God's going to take care of me. I hope. I hope. It, I'm serious. And I'm being honest with you. But this is what the devil does. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 says he's the prince and power of the air. Now, you've heard me say this before. If he's the prince and power of the air, that means he controls the airwaves. Don't be fooled that all the TV and radio and movies and all that stuff, he is right back there. He is the general, the commander, the leader. He is inciting that stuff. He is inspiring that stuff. He is behind it. So what does that mean for us? If he's the prince and power of the air, then I got to be just a little bit louder than he does. When somebody comes up to this altar for prayer, we don't stand there and whisper, don't put your head down, get people up here, and in the name of Jesus, shout it out, put it out there, use your voice, be louder than the prince and power in the air, because the king of kings has given me a voice and a victory and a testimony. I can stand here and say these things because I personally have witnessed his miracles in my life, saved my son, redeemed my finances, saved my home, saved my family. 
And I can say that with confidence. You know, the more confident you are, the more, vo more voice you can put behind things. Do you ever see inconfident people? They really don't know what they're talking about, so they, their voice goes way down, they whisper. I was in a store the other day, and I asked a clerk behind the counter. You ever see people, this is a common problem in the society today. It drives me crazy. You talk to somebody who doesn't really know the answer, but they give one anyway. What? Is that pride? It must be pride. It must be one of the three, right? The, the pride of life. Just say you don't know the answer. So what they'll do, I asked this guy, I forget what the question was, a simple question, something about they, what the store does or inventory or something. Well, and then, so then they, and I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you don't know the answer, do you? And, but I'm not mean. I said, that's okay. Let's find somebody who does. <laughs> don't give an answer if you don't know. But see, when you know the answer, are you hearing me now? When you know the answer, speak it out. Say it confidently. Be firm about what you're saying. You know the answer. You've read this. You've heard it preached. You understand what I mean? All of you, all of you can shake the shackles today because one shackle we all carry at one point in our Christian lives, at some point, we all shackle ourselves in our ability to reach out and minister the gospel to people. Come on, preach with me. Are we talking to our neighbors? Are we talking to our coworkers? Are we getting it out there? We all shackle ourselves in that regard. We fear people are gonna reject us. We fear, we fear they're gonna think we're different or odd or we, they go to a church. All those things, right? Can I, anybody with me? Raise your hand if you're with me. Come on now, say it in confidence. Right, I'm saying it. I was there, I am there sometimes. But we know the answer, so why can't we confidently say? Because the devil has snuck in behind us and told us, oh, they don't want to hear that. They're going to think we're crazy. Oh, they don't want to be like this, right? First Peter chapter five and eight, uh, five and eight says, your, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. John 10 and 10 says he's a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. This is a bad dude. But I want to tell you once again, the devil has no power over you except that which you give to him. Do you hear that devil? I'm letting him in on the secret. I'm telling him about you because I hate you and I want him to win. No power over you except what you give him. And when you realize that and you really take hold of what that means, you'll stand up and say, Stop professing the problem that you have and start professing the solution that God's going to give you. Speak it out. Speak out in faith. I've done it so many times, it's scary. Folks, I'm not going to lie to you. It's very scary to do that. Have somebody come up to the altar, I need prayer for healing for this, and feel like, feel like in the Holy Ghost, God's going to heal that person. But should I say it? What if God doesn't? You know what? What if God doesn't? That's not my deal. That's God's deal. Give it in his hands and let it go. But I'm gonna speak it out because God has healed in front of me. I've stood in the face of death, folks, and I've watched God move in and heal. How many of you have had that experience? Come on, yes, look at that. Stand in the face of death and watch God walk into the room and heal somebody. You've heard the testimony of my niece with leukemia. God healed her the very night she was diagnosed. And then they came back later on and they tried to say, oh, we, we see some things here, Mr. and Mrs. Olson, we see something here and uh, it, it, this could be the cancer coming back, right? I got on the phone with my brother-in-law and I said, Keith, don't you dare believe that. God heals complete and holy and 100%. Now, did I know that for sure? No, but in my faith 
And in my spirit, I believed it. And see, and I think what's awesome about that is maybe we don't know. Maybe we're not sure where it is. But the more we speak it out, the more God says, okay, all right, I'm going to honor that. They stood up and spoke. But you see, you, you get what I'm saying? So let's say somebody's up here praying for something right now. I'm the only person who's willing to say God's going to heal you, and I'm going to pray for you right now. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have an idea. But let's say six or seven more of you come up and stand there, and you lift your voices. God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. I believe, I believe that God hears that from heaven and says, wow, there's a whole lot of people at Abundant Life Church that are believing in me to do this. I'm going to do it. We have examples in the word of God where he heard the prayers of Abraham, right? And changed God's will or moved God to do something different. We can do it. But the devil has us convinced, well, we can't say something because if I say that they're gonna get healed and they don't get healed, then they're gonna hate me. I'm gonna look like a heretic and I'm gonna look like a false prophet and all this other stuff. Don't do that. Don't succumb to that lie from the devil that you can't speak up and use your faith. Do you know how powerful, how powerful the faith is that exists inside you? Just the faith. You have the Holy Ghost and you have the faith. You are like an atomic bomb of power in the spiritual world. Do you know that? Have you taken that identity on yet? Because the devil doesn't want you to. He wants you to believe you're a failing Christian. Well, you sinned three times last week. Well, Sister so-and-so, yeah, you made some mistakes. You're kind of a gossip. You, made, you said some things wrong. Oh, you're not, you're not effective in the kingdom. That's a lie. He's the father of lies, folks. Let's look at the tactics today. <clears throat> the biggest tactics today that I believe, at least I'm going to identify a couple here, but I think that it all results, and I started to say it earlier, in captivity. We are captive. This is the apostolic church of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. There should be nothing we can't do. Peter and John walked up to the gate, beautiful, saw a man there who couldn't walk, a beggar. They didn't even shout or raise their voices. At least the Bible doesn't say so. But they looked at that man and said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to you. And they spoke it out. And that man stood up and walked. As a matter of fact, he went away shouting and jumping. Why can't we do that? Because we don't believe. Because the devil's convinced us we're not good enough, or we are not capable, we can't heal, we can't have these things happen, that these things don't operate in our church anymore. It's a lie. Folks, I'm telling you, I see a time coming that if you give yourself, if you believe, if you fight that back, miracles can happen in this church like never before. People can be healed of things right in this church like never before. If you get a hold of it and you believe, can we do it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Political correctness, the culture change that's happened out there. I said it earlier, don't say sinner. Well, you can't call somebody a sinner. That's, that's way out of line. All right. We can preach them the gospel. We can preach them the truth. You see, the truth is what sets us free. If we're not speaking the whole truth or believing the whole truth, then we've got a couple of shackles on us, maybe a weight around our ankle. Maybe we're not making it over to the neighbor's house because we've got this ball and chain hanging on us that says, well, I don't think they're going to listen to me. I don't think they're going to love, they're going to hear God, right? We've all fallen into that. But when we let that thing go, when you truly let go and you really unshackle yourselves, watch out. And I think that time is coming. John 8 and chapter, excuse me, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, 
and the truth, excuse me, then are my disciple, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Have you ever really thought what that means? That means a full embodiment of the truth. You take on all of the truth. The truth is that you are his eyes, his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears. You are an instrument of God to reach out to the people around you, and he will make you victorious if you just do it. Forget about your own abilities. Forget about anything that you think about your ability to reach the lost. Just open your mouth and let God take off and do the work. He'll blow your mind with his ability through you if you just give him the chance. But we shackle ourselves, right? You see what I'm saying? When I said earlier, we're in bondage, we're in shackles. We really are, aren't we? I'm guilty. I'm confessing to you right now. We fail because of our own desires and our lusts, the things that we wrap ourselves up in the world. If you look at James 1, boy, I'll tell you, the book of James, if you haven't read it for a while, get in the book of James. James was a half-brother of Jesus, and there must be something in the genealogy there because James had it down. Man, this guy, oh, awesome stuff, and he was popping. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see, you are not under control of the devil. He didn't make you do it. But what James is saying is, listen, you got your own desires and your own, he uses the word lust, there are things that we really, really like, but you're drawn away because you indulge in those things. It's, the devil can't make you do it. He can just dangle it out in front of you. And then he goes on to say, then, Brother Kylie's famous LSD scripture, then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and then sin, when it's finished, brings forth death, spiritual death. So we got to watch those things that we indulge ourselves in too much, especially if they're taking us away from the word and from the assembly. That's what the devil wants you to do. I'm, devil, I'm telling you, I'm letting them in. They're going to know how to beat you. Now I'm going to use a term here, and I don't want people to get riled. I want you to, you got to hear me out on this. But another tool that he uses is our selfishness. As human beings in flesh, we are selfish. We are self-absorbed. We look out for number one first. And, and, and no wonder, if you look out into the media, you look out what's out there on television and radio, all we hear is, do you, do you, and be all you can be, and all these slogans and things, you know, take care of one. I used to have a guy that worked for me. He used to run around, walk around the docks going, one deep. <laughs> He'd say it all the time, one deep. Finally, I asked one of my, my leads, I said, what does he mean when he says one deep all the time? He mean, he's, he, what he means is that's as far as he's going. He's one deep. It's as deep as he's going to go as himself. That's literally what's his moniker, his, 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 his motto, so to speak. He's one deep and that's it. I don't care about anybody else. I'm here for a paycheck. That's it. <clears throat> but if I take the word selfish and maybe I turn it a little bit to a, just kind of take the edge off a little, and, and a little bit and put it as our self-focused selves, okay? Forced self-focus. In other words, sometimes, folks, and I'm going to tread carefully here because I want you to understand this is not criticism, this is not an attack. I'm guilty myself. I'm exposing what the devil is doing so you understand what you can do. We get into our problems we get into our cave, our cage, so to speak. A health issue, a financial issue, a relationship issue, and we crawl into our own prison cell. 
and we bury ourselves in our own captivity. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, For by what a man is overcome, he is enslaved. If you have a chronic medical issue, if you have a chronic financial problem, if you have a chronic relationship issue, and all you do is ever focus on that, you are in captivity. You have enslaved yourself. This is a tool of the devil. Now, you say, Brother Cordell, I have issues. I got problems. I, you know, these are real to me. I totally understand that. I'm not taken away from that. But what we tend to do as human beings in the flesh is just completely focus 100% on just that problem or that issue, me, myself, and I. I've done it. I've been there, folks. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm confessing to you. It's so easy. But when you've done that, understand, you've enslaved yourself. And if we could just break out of those shackles and realize that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords with power over healing, power over finances. I told you, my son was going to be a vegetable. You think that I could take some time and be completely self-focused and woe is me? Oh my goodness, that's the most horrible thing in the world. How could you possibly live through that? I could have buried myself in that captivity. But I found a place at an altar and said, God, just continue to use me. God, forgive me for my lack of faith, and prayed and prayed and prayed. But I didn't stop praying for others. I didn't stop ministering in my church. I didn't stop witnessing to people that I know. And in seven days, God took a little baby boy with brain waves whacked all over the place, turning blue, going into seizures all the time. In seven days, folks, I walked out of the hospital with my wife and a perfectly healthy baby boy. You understand? You see what I'm saying? We went through that lawsuit with the house. There's people lied to us and we, there's a whole mess that went along with it. We lost thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars of our money. I could have self-absorbed. I could have crawled into my cage and said, woe is me. I don't have any money left. Woe is me. This is terrible. Bah, 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 bah. All these people surrounding me. Oh, just give up and die. Go file bankruptcy and ruin your credit for decades. And I said, no, I serve a king. And he's going to take care of me. Our realtor, our realtor kept saying, you know what, go buy all the cars and clothes and everything you need right now and then file bankruptcy. She literally told us that. I looked at her and I said, absolutely not. I'm sorry, I said our realtor, our attorney, our attorney told us to go buy everything that we could possibly buy on credit and then file bankruptcy. Can you imagine? I looked at her and I said, Judy, I can't do that. I serve a greater God. That's, first of all, in my book, that's theft. I said, and second of all, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is going to take us out of this. So, come on, you got kids, you got children, you got obligations. God's going to take care of it. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I believed it 100%. I was like this because I'd go back home and I'd get in my closet and go, please, God, let that be true. But I'm here to tell you, he did it. He brought us back. He put us in a house we have no business owning. I go to the closing, they slide the appraisal across the table, and the attorney says, have you seen that yet? And the difference from what we bought the house and what it was appraised at was almost exactly to the penny what we lost in that lawsuit. Everything was redeemed 100%. 
Folks, you have to understand human psychology. The more we focus on our problems, the more we focus on self and serve self, the more miserable we are. That is a, that is a law. That is a law of human nature. It is a fact. You will never satiate yourself by continuously focusing back to you. It will never happen. And the more that you do it, the more you will bury yourself. And the deeper you get, the more you try to satiate, and the more you try to self-serve, you get deeper and deeper and deeper. It's total misery. It will not be until we totally learn, I say we because I'm including me, we totally learn to give, 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 give. That's where happiness is. That's where victory is. And that's what the devil doesn't want you to realize. Let's look at God's promises. Isaiah chapter 42 Verses six and seven says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. Everybody say amen. Amen. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. If you know the book of Isaiah, you know that is a book prophetically talking about almost exclusively the ministry of Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior that we serve. So how do we beat him? I gave you a few tips already. Let's look what the Bible says. Let's look what scripture says. Folks, you have to understand that the truth being said, you know what the truth is? The truth is the word of God. And you've got to get good at wielding it, that sword at the devil. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want you to know the word. If you don't read consistently, you're doing what he wants you to do. If you're focusing all the time on your problems and not other people, if all that ever comes out of our mouths is, I have this problem and I this, and I, this hurts and that hurts and I don't have any money and I don't have a car and I don't have a good... If that's all we ever do, you're doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. You are in captivity. Well, I come to church and I praise God and I feel his spirit and, and God's wonderful. That's That's okay. Paul was in prison and he had all that stuff too. But he was still in prison till he prayed, spoke the truth, and the prison doors opened. Okay? James chapter 4 and 7. Here we go back, brother Jesus again, this guy, I'm telling you. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, okay, that's a general term. What's the practical, tactical on that operation? What does that mean, resist the devil? Do you physically get up out of your chair at home, run into another room? No, you use this. Resist the devil. Use the word of God. If the devil's talking to you and he's telling you you're ruined, you're done, you're out, you're failing, you're gone, you've made too many mistakes, you stand up and say, devil, that's a lie. I am the, king, the child of the king and you are a liar and the father of all of them. Prince and power of the air, speak louder than he does. He whispers. I can shout. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All of the stuff that I've been through in my life, all of these challenges, and I haven't even scratched the surface of things that we've changed. And I know you all have your story too. I'm no better than anybody. But I can tell you that God has given me power over all of the enemy's efforts to destroy me. I'm standing here today. My family's here today. If I had succumbed to just one of those things, the way the devil wanted me to, you would not see me here. I'm not going to lie to you. There were times I wanted to run. I wanted to say, that's it. I'm done. Cash it out. I can't take it anymore. I'm out. My flesh wanted to do that. But I knew better. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that he arms us with a sword, the word of God, to stand against the enemy's lies. You have to use the word. You've got the word of God. 
Carry it with you. Know it. Memorize some of it. Pick a few scriptures that you know you love to throw at the devil. Memorize them. And every time you've got that challenge, health, finances, family, whatever it is, depression, etc. Throw it at him and call him a liar. Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. You understand that? No weapon. There is no weapon that he can throw at us that will take us down if God does not want it. If you're a child of the king, if you are in tune to what he's got for you in your life, and you're looking outward, there is no weapon that will prosper against you. Remember what I said earlier. The devil has no power over you except that which you give him. If you don't take anything away from what I'm saying today, take that phrase. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 7. Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. How many are full of the Holy Ghost today? You've already won. You've already got the victory. And you can stand before others. And you can claim the victory for them. Boy, I want to... Can I just... I got to tear the... I got to tear the curtain back here for a second. I want to see this church fired up in the spirit. We had a service. Anybody here Wednesday night? Wednesday night service. Where's Rob Bauer? Rob. Rob walked in this service that night. He's, we're going to have a good service. God's going to move tonight. I was like, awesome. <laughs> and if you, anybody knows Rob, he's, he's a real genteel, kind of a quiet guy. And I'm standing down here. He comes, jump. Almost like that. <laughs> Throws a big hug around me. We're going to have an awesome service tonight. And I said, praise the Lord. We're going to have an awesome service tonight. And we did. Boy, that, that song service rocked. We, we had to go to our breakout session. I didn't even want to go. I was like, my goodness, that was awesome. You guys were worshiping. It was hopping. That's not false. That's not fake. That's not a show. That's not just some concert. We were worshiping God and things were happening. That's where God begins to touch people. Things, be, things begin to get healed and get fixed. We need to do that every service, right? We can do it. You can do it. But I want to see this church fired up. I want to see when people come up for prayer, some fired up people who are full of faith and ready to speak out. We need to hear voices. We need to hear faith. Because if I'm up here sick, you guys understand that the reason the Bible tells us to put our hands on folks and pray for them is not because we just have to have this tactile, loving relationship. It's because when we put our hands on someone that is sick or hurting, see, their faith is down. Faith is always in a state of flux. When someone's hurting or in a bad situation, faith kind of goes like this, right? It's natural. You can't fight it. It's part of the flesh. So when they do that, but we're full of faith. I'm full of faith, and I'm having a good day today, so I'm going to go pray for brother or sister so-and-so. But we want 10 or 12 of you to come up, not just, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Speak it out. Speak in faith. Because brother, sister, so-and-so's got no faith right now. They're hurting. But the more they hear, the more they hear you speaking, oh, God's going to do it. Praise the Lord. God, I feel a healing touch. God's touching you right now. They start to hear that, and their faith starts to build up. Guess what's what's getting done? They're getting healed of that situation. You're healing their spirit and their soul and their body. That's what I want to see here. Can we do it? Can you break the bonds? The devil's got you in a captivity. He's got you in a captivity, and I see wonderful, lovely, awesome saints of God full of the Holy Ghost, good teachers, good ministers, good friends, my brothers and sisters. 
but he's got you in a captivity right now. This new culture, this new correctness is we're quiet, we're demure, we're respectful. And he wants you to be that way. He wants you to be docile. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 7 says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and they'll flee before these seven ways. Get that picture in your mind that when we pray, when you pray, the devil's coming at you with that one situation, but boom, he blows it up, and they run. Revelation chapter 12 and 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which we already have, and the word of their testimony, and they love not the lives, their lives unto the death. So you've got the blood, you've got a testimony. Everybody in this room could do what I did up here. Nothing special. You could tell testimonies and build faith, but I'm telling you what I testified today happened to me, and it's never gonna go away. They can't take it away. They can, they can challenge the word. They can talk about doctrine. Oh, you guys, you Pentecostals, you don't know what you're talking about. There's three gods, there's this. You don't know what you're doing. You know what? You can't take my testimony away from me because it happened. I can go to doctors, I can go to attorneys, I can go to realtors that watched it happen. You cannot take my testimony. So guess what? If we don't love our lives till the end of our death and we have our testimony, we're gonna be powerful for Jesus Christ. Right? Amen. Last scripture and I'm wrapping up. Psalm chapter 44 and verse five says, through thee will push down our enemies, though thy name will be tread, tread them under that rise up against thee. I'm gonna do that again because I stumbled through it. I got to get new glasses, folks. I apologize. I blew this up really big. It's not big enough. Psalm 44, chapter 5 says, Through thee, they will push down our enemies. Through thy name, we will tread them under that rise up against us. Through thy name, we will tread the enemy under our feet. All right. Satan has no power over you but that which you give him. Oh, I hurt, Brother Cordell. I have pains. I'm tired. I have a financial challenge. Nothing's happening. I can't get a job. If you folks heard anything I said today, some of you better be fired up right now, I hope. So here's what we're going to do. You ready? You knew this was coming. Anybody in this room that is in captivity right now with a problem, if you've got health issues, if you're hurting, if you've got financial issues, if you've got people problems, whatever it is, let's stand up and rise. Can I get a musician on the... I forgot who was... Oh, Sister Carson, thank you. We're going to have an altar service today. Is that okay? Is this all right? I didn't ask permission, so I'm asking forgiveness. Okay. Folks, if, I, if, if, if anything I said meant anything to you, we can impact some lives today. Let's stand this morning. Now, I had some altar workers at my last altar worker class that were willing to learn and step up. And they, they were awesome. And I know some people have already stepped out. So I'm going to hold a little class just real quick. I'm going to use Sister Carlson as my example. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not being critical. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But I want to change the way we do things. Because we kind of, you know, the devil likes traditions. He likes us to fall into a groove and into a rut. So, you know what? We could do a quick altar call. Everybody come down, kneel down for about five, ten minutes, feel pretty good about things, and then go home and go to lunch. Anybody want to do that? No hands? Okay, Cliff, you can do that if you want. No, I'm kidding. He didn't raise his hand. I'm just joking. <laughs> I love to pick on my old teacher. <laughs> but here, what we tend to do is what we tend to always do, right? Remember that famous axiom from Will Rogers, if you always do what you've always done, new cool things are going to happen? 
No, it doesn't work like that. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping nothing changes. Well, that's true too, but it works the other way also. Okay, so when we come up, now I'm talking to my prayer warriors now, people that are ready to step out. And the first ones to step out could be the ones that when they get their victory, turn and start praying for somebody else. But what we tend to do, and I'm not picking on anybody, I'm not making fun, okay, please understand. What we tend to do when people come up for prayer, we come up behind them like this. Okay, we, we pray real quiet, because God touches, I'm not making fun. God touches us, we get tearful, and we're standing behind them. Very little happens with that, except for a nice gesture, right? And they pray, and it's good. But what the devil doesn't want you to do is get in front of that person and look them right in the face and take the, the faith that I'm conveying in my eyes and in my speech and in my words and look you right in the eyes. Brother Clark, the devil does not want me to step up and say, Brother Clark, what are you here to pray for today? And he says, my hairstyle. And I say, okay. <laughs> I just picked something. I love his hair. I'm just, I wish. <laughs> really? Okay. And we stop and we look at each other face to face. And Do you believe God's going to heal your hairstyle today? I believe it. I believe right now. I'm not kidding you. This is the way, this is the way we got to do it. I believe right now that God's going to heal your hairstyle. And if you get them to believe, speak it out. Do you believe it? Yes, sir, I do. Okay, first step. That's the first step. And then we begin to pray together. Now, sometimes we'll pray for someone. We'll give them an anointing touch. We'll pray over that. Now, appropriate, ladies to men appropriate, but I'll pray over a heart. If they're heartbroken, they're hurting or whatever, I'll put my hand right here. You know who I learned that from? Billy Cole. Billy Cole taught me that when I was 14 years old and pray that way. But now do we stand there? No, uh-uh. God, Brother Clark has stepped up and he has asked today God for a healing in his hairstyle. I believe that God right now, this very moment, I'm telling you, you speak with confidence. You're conveying your faith. And pretty soon that person starts, whoa, he's, he knows something I don't know. It's going to happen. And next thing you know, he's got this beautiful quaff of hair. Can we break out of that mold that we're in? I'm just talking to the people who are willing to step out, shake the bonds, and be used mightily by God. Because I'll tell you, the more that I've been willing to do that, people say, oh, Brother Christ. I had somebody come up to me and say, oh, I want to do what you do. I don't do anything. I just don't want to be sitting on a seat warming a pew anymore. I don't want to be ineffective for God. And the next terrible challenge that comes up, think about those people in Houston right now. You know what we ought to be praying against? We ought to be praying against the devil rolling in there and telling them all, you're done, you're destroyed, you're never going to have a house again, your money's gone. That's what's happening. That's what's really happening. The spiritual attack in Houston is what's really powerful. We can get them our money. We're going to do that. But I'll tell you, there's some poor people down that are just, they're just devastated to beyond life. Right? But all I did was just try to step out and I'm just tired of not being used. And I was tired of not just being sort of floating by. Those were nice altar services. That was all good. But I wanted to do something more. And I got into the word of God and I'm going, wow, these guys spoke out and they spoke the word and they prayed for people and people got healed. And, and then all of a sudden I have a miracle in my son and a miracle in my finances and a miracle in my own personal health and my family and my niece and on and on and on. And I'm pretty soon I'm going, what am I doing? 
I'm a child of the King. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to step out and speak out. If you don't get healed, I'm wrong. But that's up to God, not me. But I'm still going to do it because somewhere in here, enough of us are going to gather and we're going to believe that hairstyle is going to get fixed and God's going to hear it. And he may not have thought about it before, but he's thinking about it right now. He's going, wow, there's a whole lot of people want this dude to have a better hairstyle. And so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in and I'm going to hear their prayer. The Bible says it. He promised it. I will hear their prayer and heal their land and their hair. All right, let's step up. Who's got something that they need this morning? Let's have people come up. Don't be, just don't be afraid. We're not making fun of nobody. Everybody promised that the other night. Remember that? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.com dot org.